there. Welcome back to MLEX's weekly podcast, bringing you the very latest in regulatory affairs, thanks to our team of reporters around the world. I'm James Paniki from MLEX's Asia-Pacific team, and it's great to be with you again. Today, we're focusing on China, Chinese foreign investment and Chinese trade, and we'll be approaching it from both sides. In a moment, we'll be looking at plans by the European Union to develop tools to counter what policymakers argue is an unfair competitive advantage which is posed by Chinese companies supported by government subsidies. But first, let's examine how the issue of regulation is being debated within China, where the discussion has now focused on the policies of local governments that may create what are referred to as market distortions. By that, we mean situations in which local policies get in the way of, for example, a fair and easy exit from the market, the designation of trading counterparts, and the protection of local players through funding rewards and subsidies. All of these continue to occur despite attempts by China to make the country into a single market. Yonex Lee is MLEX's chief correspondent for Greater China. She's been writing about this very issue recently, and she joins us now from Hong Kong. Uh, Yonex, the uh, Chinese government has been advocating the Fair Competition Review System, and that's the name of it, over the last couple of years. What is it uh, exactly and what problems is it seeking to address? Um, So, yes, uh, in 2017, the uh, National Development and Reform Commission, um, the NDRC, which is um, formerly, it was an antitrust regulator, it launched um, the first version of the Fair Competition Review System in uh, that year, in 2017. And uh, it was seeking to uh, crack down on administrative monopolies. So, you know, the uh, local governments, um, they have policies in place that could be anti-competitive. Uh, that means they are in favor of local players and they want to address that. And they said that um, sometimes people are saying, um, people say that um, those policies are more harmful to competition than uh, anti-competitive behavior um, from businesses. And, and this was some time ago. Uh, has that had the desired effect? Uh, have those local standards and regulations being swept yes. aside, or are they still yes. problematic? Yes, um, yes, they launch a nationwide campaign across the country. The local governments and authorities they have to review their policies to make sure that those policies are in line with uh, competition principles. If um, the policies are anti-competitive, they have to uh, address those and correct those to make and ratify the behavior to make sure that um, they are in line with um, uh, competition principles. And so they did that before. And they are going to uh, ask the uh, local governments to review. Actually, they already have the system in place to ask the governments to review the policies even before they wrote out to make sure that they are, you know, competitive. So the system uh, is in place at the moment. What is the the latest update on how things are working in terms of dealing with this local level of regulation? The Chinese government is amending the anti-monopoly law. And so uh, in January, they had a draft of the amendment and they tried to put in place a very, very competition review system in um, in the law. And so they want to include that provision in the law to, uh, you know, to establish its status. And then, um, as I said last month, that they had the statement out. They add the specific items that the government uh, will have to look at, um, including like um, designating trading counterparts 
and protecting local players under the guise of you know funding rewards and subsidies. And uh, they have to look at whether they have u- uh, the fair use of production factors, including the supply of goods and services such as land, labor, and capital, and whether they have uh, imposed uh, uh, discriminatory supervision, and whether they have um, whether they allow a fair and easy exit from the market. And so those are the questions. I mean, those are the issues um, that market players has express expressed strong opinions against. And so uh, they specifically um, said that, okay, the, the local governments or authorities, that they, um, they have to look at those uh, issues. And what can we expect uh, in the future? How are things likely to evolve in coming years? And uh, we are now looking forward to the amendment of the law as um, the, the draft is still uh, being reviewed. And so we will see whether it is really included um, in in the into the law and I think um, there's high cha- uh, there's high probability that it will be included also uh, they according to the statement last month that they there will be a comprehensive coverage and complete rules in about three years and that is the timetable that they expect also they are asking for industry level very competition review rules in order to address the specific set of specific problems. So what you're suggesting is that they're keen to look at sector-specific issues, so things that affect a particular industry across the different regions of China and not only things that are geographically specific, right? Right. They are looking at set of specific issues and not just uh, geographically, not just addressing things geographically because um, what they have always been addressing is that they emphasize that they want a unified nationwide market so that there's no local protectionism. They want the whole country to be a, uh, a single market so that uh, players from different regions can compete in the regions that they want to enter into. Yonix, uh, this uh, fair competition review system hinges obviously on the effectiveness of the local authorities' self-examination. Uh, what are the measures that are now in place to ensure that the, 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 the self-checks that are conducted by the authorities are indeed having the desired impact? Okay. Um, so first of all, uh, the authorities, the local governments, they are encouraged to entrust academic institutions, research institutions and other third-party professional uh, agencies to uh, to do the assessment to make sure that uh, the results are accurate. And uh, so this is the first thing that they, they, they are encouraging the local governments to do. And and secondly, SAMR will also establish a mechanism for spot checks on on the reviews. So they don't just rely on the government. They say, okay, um, they, according to the statement, they say that they will uh, organize spot checks once a year to ensure that their policies have fulfilled the required review procedure. And then the review conclusions are accurate. Yonix, it's been fascinating uh, talking to you. It'll be interesting to see how things unfold over coming uh, months and years. But uh, let's speak again very soon. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yonix Lee is MLEX's chief correspondent for Greater China, and she was speaking to us from Hong Kong. And listening into that conversation is Lewis Crofts, MLEX's editor-in-chief, who joins us now from Brussels. Now, Lewis, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Europe is worried about the impact of Chinese companies on its economy, and this layer of local regulation that we've just heard about may feed into those concerns. Is this simply a protectionist backlash in the face of competition, or do you think there's more to it? 
Hello, James. Um, yes, it's fascinating what Yonex was explaining was trying to come to terms internally in its own market with the forces of competition, trying to unwind um, local monopolies. Um, but for many years now, the big question has been, how is China and the growth of China and Chinese companies and companies backed by the Chinese state impacting global competition? And in Europe, you know, for many years, they've welcomed this, they've welcomed the cheap goods, they've welcomed the, the, the competition because Europe is built on these open market principles and anyone can compete no matter where they come from. But over the years, it's dawned on them that um, these Chinese companies might be taking uh, European jobs. You know, a company like uh, a Siemens or an Alstom or a um, Bayer uh, is competing with uh, companies, large companies, some often household names, but companies from China who are coming to the European market and offering offering cheaper goods. They might be winning tenders for building you know, trains, train stations. And um, this is the kind of thing which Europe has slowly woken up to over the years. Uh, the EU governments, though, are themselves no strangers to subsidies, if subsidies is really what we're talking about. I mean, everyone in Europe loves a national champion. So I wonder if they are on solid ground when it comes to expressing concerns about the impact of subsidies on uh, Chinese companies doing business in the EU. Yeah, the problem is that Europe for many, many years has had its own state aid regime. That means when governments give handouts, Brussels gets to check them. They check that a, um, you know, stick with a train maker. A train maker in Europe is um, not getting undue help um, and distorting the market inside. And they could do that because Brussels can tell the German government or the French government or the Slovak government what to do. Um, that's what the EU treaties do. But it can't tell Beijing what to do. And Beijing, or indeed any other country where there are subsidies, um, the airlines, the Gulf airlines get subsidies, Euro American companies get subsidies, and Brussels can't do anything about that. And so what it's trying to do is find a way to land a glove on these companies and restrict their ability to um, act in the European market if some of that activity and some of that um, business is being unduly aided by the foreign government. And as for the timing of all of this, I mean, there's nothing really new here, is there? The EU has long harboured concerns about Chinese subsidies. So why is the situation more acute now? Yeah, so traditionally, the EU has looked to other trade tools. It's got some member of the WTO, um, where there are subsidy, there's a subsidy regime. It's got trade tools. It's got trade policy, trade defence. Uh, it has had a recent push in the last couple of years to um, uh, bolster foreign investment screening. So this would be when a, for example, a Chinese company wants to take a stake in a European company, and if that Euro European company is sensitive, it might be a robotics maker or make um, healthcare equipment, then governments can scrutinise that because they don't necessarily want um, uh, sensitive European assets to fall into the hands of, of state-backed companies. So all those those irons have been in the fire for, for, for several years, but still there is a sense and there are plenty of policy papers and submissions by the Dutch government and others to say, look, we need to um, have an extra layer of control. And so next week, the European Commission is expected to come out with a policy paper on a new mechanism to patrol the subsidies. So what is it that Europe can do to um, limit 
the power to act, the, 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 the freedom to do business of some of these companies in Europe. And what should we expect from this policy paper? I mean, what kind of tools are likely to be uh, put forward here? So there are likely to be um, two arms to this. One is a general mechanism to look at subsidies. And so this would be if you found, for example, a company lowballing in a tender um, for a for a, a public utility, uh, for a train station, or for a, for a hospital, or for a nuclear power station, or whatever, um, and if it was found that they were lowballing the tender uh, because of the um, being dosed up on these foreign subsidies, then the someone could complain. So, for example, a local um, maker of a local builder of hospitals could complain, a local builder of um, power stations could complain and then the commission would look into this work out um, whether the subsidy was distorting it would have to weigh that potential harm against some of the benefits so for example the eu has big policy drive to roll out digital and to green the economy and it could well be that these investments um, from foreign companies um, help that transition so it would have to balance the the pros and the cons and if it if it if it if it didn't look like the look of it then it could impose impose some sort of restrictions some sort of remedies unclear what those would be because um, um, the regime obviously you know still needs to be created but there's lots of powers that um, Brussels has traditionally had to curb uh, companies from competition law and trade law that would be the first arm the second arm which is possibly um, a bit punchier is policing of um, mergers and acquisitions by foreign-backed companies. So this would be, you know, Europe has a a long-running regime of uh, merger review. So if company A wants to buy company B, they have to go to Brussels and ask for Brussels' blessing. Um, In this instance, if a foreign company was coming in and wanted to buy a, a company established in the EU, then it would also have to go to could also have to go to to, to Brussels uh, for a blessing, and this is a this is a big deal. It's uh, unclear what kind of transactions, what size of transactions, how you would quantify the effect of the subsidy. So, you know, the classic case would be um, a foreign company had loads of money uh, from the state and could therefore outbid everyone on the market. Uh, that's fair enough in principle. How you actually get to the bottom of that and and, and quantify that is a is a difficult task. Now, the EU is clearly taking a carriage of this issue on behalf of the bloc's national governments. I, I wonder, though, if there is likely to be some difference of opinion here between Brussels and the national capitals. Uh, it's, a, it's an excellent point because often, I mean, there's quite a lot of consensus around Europe in the national capitals that, you know, Chinese companies, for example, or foreign companies are coming and taking our jobs. You know, um, we need to build, as you said earlier in your piece, uh, we need to build European champions to stand up to these um, uh, Chinese competitors, for one example. Uh, And so, you know, they're in favour of and they've pushed for more European uh, action at this level. Now, we'll see what comes out of the policy paper next week. But if what comes out of the policy paper is a power grab by Brussels, yet more centralised review powers, the powers to uh, yay or nay certain transactions, that doesn't always sit well with, with national governments. You know, they like to, much as they may have concerns about some of these things, they like to govern their own trade flows you know some a lot of countries welcome this investment because they 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 thrive off it um they thrive off the cheap prices or they thrive off the foreign expertise and so you know it is it the 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 dividing lines on things like trade policy investment policy 
simply the politics of your relationship or a country's relationship with with China or a foreign government are also important and things that people like to hold in their national capital and not necessarily hand off to Brussels. And complicating the matter even further are geopolitical and uh, security considerations. We've seen that in the context of the uh, the the five G rollout and decisions across Europe and across the world to uh, prevent Chinese companies like Huawei and ZTE from taking part in in those rollouts. I wonder what, uh, if any, role those considerations might play uh, in this current debate in Europe. Uh, that's exactly the point is here you've got a, a policy area where many, many interests converge. One, just the pure economic, you know, we'd like to build this power station or we'd like to... Um, have these goods available and is it a good price or, or is it not? And often foreign bidders have cheaper prices. Great. Then there's another consideration, which is security. Um, do these sensitive assets, do these sensitive things, be it cybersecurity or be it healthcare or be it defence, um, should these be under the control of um, foreign governments? There are other tools which police that, but they. it is a big question. It's a question, therefore, about trust and feeds into politics. What is the political climate between um, you know, Brussels and, and Washington or Brussels and Beijing or Brussels and, and wherever. And you've got these two, three, four policy areas all converging. And, you know, there are a lot, of, there is a lot of activity here. There are state aid rules, there are trade rules, there are uh, foreign direct investment rules, there's the world trade rules. There's, there's a, it's a very crowded territory and inventing and building a new mechanism on top of that is always going to be complicated. Now, Lewis, this is ostensibly about China, given the current uh, climate, but I've noted that uh, similar uh, policy and regulatory initiatives around the world have uh, been characterised by the fact that people bend over backwards to say, no, no, this isn't about China, it is just about foreign investment. Uh, I, I just wonder uh, whether or not uh, this type of policy, even if it may be directed against China, will in fact have an impact on uh, investment from other parts of the world. It's a very good point. And um, you're entirely right that this is not about China, uh, not just about China. The UK is looking into having these own rules as well. And it's U the UK rules very much play into the big Huawei 5G China question like like you raised in your previous question but um, how do you craft rules that just target one country you can't really do that it's very difficult and it is a, this is a problem in the EU's eyes that goes far beyond China it has over the in recent years it has created special rules to deal with um, airlines from the Middle East which they think are Subsidise so these big Gulf carriers which come into the European market and compete with against the European airlines, which don't get as many as many subsidies. So the rules apply. Uh, 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 there is a concern about about subsidies in the Gulf. You know, um, one of the biggest subsidy battles of all time is Boeing, the American airline backed by the American government versus Airbus, the European uh, manufacturer backed by European governments. Um, you know, crafting subsidy rules that just um, target one country or, or, or two countries is not desirable and um, arguably can't be done because it's, it's, it's um, uh, discriminatory. But this is about much more than China. China happens to get the headlines and China does have this um, security issue that you raised in your previous question. But um, there are other countries and there are other companies. Okay, we'll be watching developments with great interest in less than a week's time. But uh, Lewis, thank you very much for uh, joining us. Thanks very much.
Lewis Crofts is MLEX's editor-in-chief and he's based in Brussels. And that's it for today's podcast. Don't forget you can find the very best of MLEX's reporting and analysis at our website, mlexmarketinsight.com. That's M-L-E-X marketinsight.com. Just click on the Insight Centre tab. I'm James Panicki, MLEX's senior editor for the Asia-Pacific. I'll be back in your podcast feed next Friday to bring you more from MLEX's global team of reporters. Thank you very much for your company. Bye for now. See you soon.